So the big question is this, how do investors like us get access to the ideas, information, and most importantly, the right people that give us the tools and information we need to make informed and educated decisions to have success? That is the question, and this podcast will give us the answers. This is Mark Moss, your host. Let's get this started. Welcome back to another episode of the Market Disruptors podcast. We like to talk about disruptive technologies, disruptive companies, people who are building and doing things in these disruptive industries. Today, we are talking with Robert Beatles from Monarch Wallet. And Robert is one of the hardest working men in crypto. He is traveling nonstop at the conferences, at the forefront, talking to people, rubbing shoulder to shoulder with the movers and the shakers, and he's won himself. He has been building in this space for a couple of years um, in a really good area, in a, in, in a space that's really tying all these projects together and securing your coins. So let's jump right in. We're going to talk to Robert Beatles. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Market Disruptors. I am here with uh, Robert Beatles from uh, Monarch, but also from uh, many other things as well. Um, welcome. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Now, uh, I know you're really big on YouTube. Um, I've met you at, uh, I've been at several conferences with you. I know you're really out there pushing uh, the, the education or at least the awareness adoption phase, right? That's that a big piece of what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of how I got into it, right? So back in 2011, a guy named Max Kaiser, you know, opened my eyes to to Bitcoin and basically all the, the world of value that it brings to us, right? And so from then on, I, I've been kind of bit by the crypto bug and my friends and family and, and whatnot knew that I was in crypto. And so around 2017, when the, when the market got crazy hot, everybody decided that they wanted to get into crypto, but they didn't really know anything about it. So they asked me to create, you know, basically a YouTube video that uh, they could all go to and kind of learn the inner workings of how crypto works, uh, how they buy it, how they sell it, how they store it, all that kind of stuff. And it just kind of uh, got a life of its own, right? So it started off like that. They loved it. Then they asked me to start uh, kind of reviewing projects, then basically, you know, covering projects. Next thing you know, I've done like a, a thousand interviews and probably aired only 350 of them or something like that. But that's kind of how we, we got onto the YouTube side of things. I mean, I've, I um, have a software company. We build, um, you know, applications and platforms for people like the United States Post Office. And so around uh, 2017 or so, after, you know, really looking at the space and all the people in it and kind of the lack of easy, I guess, user experience to actually be able to store, send, receive crypto, things like that, we decided to come up with Monarch. So we built that you know, for, uh, for the people, right. And from day one, we just gave it to them for free and um, people could start using it. And, uh, it's just, it's been a wild ride, man. It's been a wild ride and it's uh, just getting started. Yeah, it is just getting started. So I love disruptive technologies. I just love the whole idea of what we call creative destruction, right? Where it's like the old way is killed off by a new way, new solutions to old problems. And so um, I think cryptocurrency is the most disruptive thing that we've ever seen. The internet was super disruptive. Cryptocurrency is even bigger. But I, I just, I love it because I believe it creates the biggest opportunity for us. I mean, I love change. I love new things. That's just part of me, but it creates a really big opportunity for us as, as investors as well. Now you've been, uh, obviously being in crypto, you're in a disruptive state, but you're a business owner and, uh, you've been involved in other disruptive industries. Do you look at it that way? Like you, do you look for, uh, opportunities, uh, in ways that you can like solve old problems with new solutions? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, before coming into the space, you know, I built one of the largest construction service companies in California. So we've got uh, a ton of locations, tons of employees. Um, and that was something that we did there was kind of disrupt the existing way of, of doing things. And we've created a new model and it's been super successful. And then with uh, crypto, you know, like I said, when Max opened my eyes to it, I instantly saw, you know, the value of peer-to-peer transactions and how you don't need a third party anymore. So then leveraging that to give more power to the people to allow people to become, you know, a monarch, right? So, because right now, basically the monarchs are the banks, the financial institutions, things like that. Right. But with, uh, with monarch, you actually become your own king, your own queen of your personal mm-hmm. finances. You actually end up becoming the, uh, the monarch. And so that's kind of the name behind it. And so that right there kind of disrupts the, you know, the traditional system of sorts, because you have to rely on all these different people for all these different services to have access to your funds. And so knowing that, you know, we wanted to make sure that people would be in charge of their own finances, have their own seed, their own key. Nobody could take their money from them. They could go anywhere in the world and basically pay for goods and services. And so that was, you know, really key for us, you know, pun intended, was to be able to allow people to, you know, rule their financial kingdom. And so that was an easy way to start, um, you know, disrupting um, the, the old way of doing things, so to speak, giving people access to their money. I mean, it sounds like a simple idea, but it really isn't. If you go anywhere and you have a bank card, you know, like an ATM card or something like that, and uh, say you go to Vegas and you want to pull out a thousand bucks, you may have a million bucks in your account, but the bank decides, you know what, you know, we're not going to give it to you. You look shady or, you know, we don't agree what uh, you're going to be spending it on or for whatever reason, you don't have access to your funds. And so just giving people access to their funds anywhere in the world is pretty disruptive. And that's just the start. So if you want, we can talk more about it, but I definitely, uh, you know, I definitely love disruptive technology. All it does is bring more benefit to, to the world, to the people, to the consumers. And so uh, you're definitely right. There's uh, lots of opportunities out there. You just got to figure out what you're good at, what you're passionate about, and then uh, do it. Um, that's uh, funny. Uh, I, I have to kick myself a little bit because I never picked up on the name Monarch in, in that in that term. Um, so, but I but I but I love it. Um, I actually um, I used to subscribe to a newsletter called Sovereign Man, and uh, this, uh, Simon Black writes it, and and it's uh, all about being sovereign and it's all about planting sovereign flags, right? All and, and not just having my whole life in one country, but really being a sovereign man. And, and, uh, that, that was, uh, when I first started hearing about Bitcoin in the early 13, 14, 15, uh, and, uh, that's what attracted me to it was being able to be sovereign, right? Take my money. So the same thing that you're saying, I just, I never caught up on the, the monarch term. So that's pretty cool. Um, you are your own king. You are your own queen. what's that? That you are your own king or you are your own queen. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, you know, it is a massive shift, like you're saying, and 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 I and it's probably the biggest shift we'll ever see where um we're so used to having things centrally controlled for us. And money, obviously, as we're talking about, but even our shopping or even our news or even our our food production, everything's centrally controlled. And so now to have uh, our our money, but really our value to be able to have control of that without that being centrally controlled and being able to transfer that peer to peer without somebody in the middle, that's a massive shift. Do you think that's going to be a big uh, point, a big area that people are going to have to get over to really see that adoption happen? Yeah. I mean, right now the, the hardest part of adoption we have is it's just too confusing for people to use. You know what I mean? It's, it's a really sucky user experience. And so people, um, you know, like the true crypto, um, you know, 
I guess, uh, you know, the crypto savvy, you know, they even have a difficult time navigating kind of the, the waters that, uh, that are in front of us, right? And so you can see that people, they'll give up their freedoms just for, you know, just for having an easier experience. You see that, you know, in government, you see that uh, with people's rights and, and all that kind of stuff. But if you look, even like last night, Binance, whether it was hacked internally, whether it was hacked, you know, by an outside force, people that leave their funds there, you know, can potentially lose them because they're using a centralized entity. With things like Monarch that's decentralized, and when you start getting into decentralized finance, you are the weakest link. You are the one that is ultimately responsible for your finances. So if you lose your seed or you lose your key or whatever, then, you know, you may lose your funds. But the chances of somebody, you know, hacking your decentralized wallet is basically the same chances of somebody hacking the Bitcoin blockchain or the Ethereum blockchain. And so uh, when people understand that and they realize what power that they wield, then they'll be like, wow, why would I ever give this power to somebody else? But until you have that kind of user experience, it's like really easy for them to understand. It's, they're always going to kind of rely on centralized services like Amazon and banks and everything else because they're used to it. It's easy. You know, you, it's like Facebook. You hit that little thumbs up button. It works. They don't really care why. It just does. But once they realize, oh, oh wow, I can do all this stuff without anybody and I'm, you know, basically in control of everything and it's really easy to use, people start doing that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we, we know, I mean, it was it uh, Thomas Jefferson. He talked about, you know, giving up our uh, freedom for uh, privacy for freedom. Uh, we don't deserve either. Everyone's always willing to sacrifice for the short term. So I'll sacrifice my sovereignty. I'll sacrifice my privacy for convenience. So, so we see that, I, I guess that's just a human characteristic. We always want what's easy. Um, but at the same time, like I've studied every technological revolution for the last couple hundred years and they all kind of, un they all roll out the same way. And if you look at the internet days, and I know you're old enough to remember, I mean, in the early 90s, it wasn't easy to connect to the internet either. Oh, but right. look how far we've come since then. And that's what people have to remember with blockchain too. See, so, you know, like, was it DARPNet in 68? You had, you know, the, the internet that we see today in like 94. And then you look at uh, Amazon, never would have survived in 94, but you look at them in 2019, and they've made things super simple. If you're able to do that decentralized, it hopefully doesn't take us 15 years, but you'll see that, uh, you know, we're definitely on that road as well. Yeah. And, and I just think uh, overall, I always just try to remind people that just to be patient because I think everyone's expecting too much too soon. Like you said, the internet really started, you know, at least in the 70s or 80s, really publicly in 1990. But it wasn't until 1995 that the average person could even somewhat kind of try to use that with Netscape coming online. Um, and uh, and, it, and by, 2000, or by 2000, so a full 10 years after kind of that whole public unveiling, only 10% of people had ever bought anything online. And we didn't even have broadband internet DSL until 2003, so 13 years later. So, um, you know, when it, when it comes down to, like you said, it's, it's, it's not easy for the average person. Um, I just think that comes with time, right? It just, it's just being patient. And I understand you as a builder, you're really working to try to make that easier. Um, and so those things will come, right? Yeah, they, they definitely will. You know, it just comes with, you know, it comes with patience and time, like you said, but um, there's things that we can do to expedite it, just kind of learning from our past failures with centralized systems. So we know that what we need to do to kind of make things easier for people. And so even with Monarch, you know, right now you have to belong to like, you know, 15 different exchanges, 20 different exchanges, have 20 different wallets. 
have all these different KYC processes, have all these different barriers to entry for people into crypto. And so the Monarch wallet isn't like a wallet, like just for money. It's a wallet for all the best services and all the best businesses out there to come under, you know, one umbrella, to be in one wallet for, for the user to access all these cool services and, and um, you know, features and companies all from one login process, all from one KYC process all from one app that's going to be dumbed down to where, you know, I'll be able to use it if I was six years old, you know what I mean? Basically, you know, we're just going to make this, this custom user experience that no matter what they're trying to do, they'll be able to access it from one spot uh, from all of our partners. And if you look at what we've developed and dropped so far, you know, it's incredible what we've already done. You know, uh, like when we launched, we had done more than most people with hundreds of millions of dollars of market cap. And we came out with our product first and every week it just gets better and better and better. And you can see all the partners that we keep bringing on and um, where this is going. So I, I want us to be that one spot for people to where they can, no matter what it is they want to do with crypto or finances, they'll have it in one spot. And it'll just be one easy login process, one easy KYC process for those services that need that. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll get there a lot, a lot sooner than from 94 to, you know, say 2010 or 2019. You know, it was really like, like 15, 19 years or something in between like 94 before it really started getting easier for people to use and start building their own websites. And, um, but uh, hopefully we'll get there a lot sooner. I'm hoping like maybe in the next year that we'll be able to do it. Yeah, we definitely will, right? We, we can look back at every technology cycle has a shorter adoption period. So it took uh, the, the telephone 80 years or 70 years to reach 80% adoption, but the internet did it in 15 years because the, the lines were already there, right? Like, um, and the internet, uh, you know, the internet took a long time because there was no way to share information, but today information's everywhere. So everyone's catching on hearing about it way faster. The lines are already there. So uh, it definitely will. Now, um, are, are you trying to build something? I mean, I guess you're, you're not necessarily disrupting anything because this market's so new, you're actually building something new within the marketplace. And that's kind of like a, a centralized place where you can kind of control everything. Like you said, is that, is that from like uh, exchanging your coins, storing your coins or spending your coins, like all in one location? All of it. So imagine if you, anything and everything crypto, anything you want to do, whether it's crypto kitties or a crypto game, or if it's decentralized file uh, sharing, whether it's uh, your finances, whether it's, you know, buying, selling, sending, receiving, storing crypto, all the different various coins, all the various different tokens, anything and everything crypto all held within one wallet. So that way you can do everything that you need from one place. So think about it as like, one entry point to all the best services and businesses out there that we partner with. So, I mean, we've got some of the biggest and most respected names in crypto as our partners, and we just keep adding more and more and more every single week. And so they're all just going to be plugging into us, having access to our users and our users will have access to their service and they'll be able to do it all from one place. So it's, it's pretty incredible. I've never seen anybody do this before. And um, it comes from, you know, me being in the space, it comes from, you know, the, I guess it's kind of like the hassles that I have to deal with to access all these different services that, that I like. Um, you have to belong to all these different things and all the pains that I hear about from people trying to come into the space. And it just kind of makes sense that like with Monarch, I just built something, you know, for me that I like and my uh, co-founder Snay adds, you know, a ton of value. He had a bunch of stuff that he didn't like, you know, in the crypto space. And so the two of us came together and basically built something, you know, for us that, uh, you know, the world, you know, would uh, appreciate and use. And we've been seeing that just more and more, you know, with 
250,000 downloads and with our communities just growing, you know, astronomically, we can see that uh, we're onto something and we're just, we're building stuff we would use, you know, just like the, the shirts, you know, on our YouTube channel, we give away, you know, shirts and hats and stuff like that. It's stuff that, that I wear, it's stuff that I would use, right? I, I don't, you know, try to do any of this stuff to just make a quick buck and leave, you know, we've, we've made our money. God's been great to us. So we're, we're building stuff for people that they can actually use every single day and make their lives, you know, better and uh, give them, basically an interface that makes it really simple for them to do it, to have access to all these different services and all these different companies, all from one place and one login experience. Yeah. So building in this space and then working with a bunch of these companies like you are, gives you like a different perspective than most people see. Now, it seemed like, you know, obviously with Bitcoin and, and Ethereum, I mean, are more decentralized today. It seems like we're seeing a more centralized kind of building point. So like most of these companies now maybe have equity and there's people building. Do you think uh, it's much easier to build in a more centralized manner than like a decentralized manner? thousand percent thousand percent yeah i mean if, if you want to create something uh, that you know works that's easy to use and you and you want to basically control everything yeah i mean you can do that in, you know in a day but if you want to create something that's you know truly decentralized that's um or at least a hybrid i've always said from the start i've said this for years that you need something that's a hybrid you need something that's centralized for all the bulky stuff and they need something decentralized for all the sensitive stuff. So for instance, like a YouTube channel, um, you know, you don't want to go throwing all your videos and all your content on a blockchain. It doesn't make sense, but you want to basically be able to have access to all your fans and your subscribers. So that stuff there should be on a blockchain that only you and you alone have access to. So that would be decentralized, but the video storage would be centralized because it doesn't matter if they get rid of your videos you know, you have access to your, to your subscribers, to your fans, you know, to all those people. So it's the same thing with like, even with Monarch, everything we've built so far, the wallet size is completely decentralized. We don't even have their email address, but as we start adding other services and we create this platform, then there'll be centralized aspects of it because you're going to want to plug in all these different services. So there's going to have to be some centralized services. However, all the private stuff, all the stuff that you want to keep safe and secure and things like that, you know, you'll have access to, or you'll be able to do that all decentralized. So it needs to be a mixture of both. But if you just go full centralized, then you're always, I mean, why do it at all? Why not just use the traditional system? You're basically right back yeah. at square one doing the same thing that we've always done. You're just basically giving your funds and your power to somebody else. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and for me, the killer app with Bitcoin it got me excited uh, was the censorship resistance uh, ability of that, right? Where it's like, it whatever I have can't be seized, stolen, manipulated. And if I want to send it to you, it can't be stopped, blocked, or prevented. So it's that, like that, cent that, that decentralized or censorship resistance nature. And uh, what scares me is uh, going to more centralized models is that a court order could just change all that. Yep. And that's what I didn't like about the current system we have today. I mean, if you look at the amount of like bank seizures that happen in the United States, it's astronomical. And I don't like that, right? Like uh, you look at people, uh, whether it be Adam Horowitz today or it was Julian Assange before, and they can't get money. Like they can't even get accounts. Like I don't like that. So it's that censorship resistance. And so as you move to that centralization model, then, then you lose that, right? thousand percent. Yeah. Now, um, let's talk about uh, last night, Binance was hacked. Uh, we won't get into the nitty gritty of it, but from us looking at it from like a storage perspective, right? Because uh, we, we say in the blockchain space that if you don't have the keys, you don't have the coins, right? And not so a lot keys, of people need crypto. What's that? Not your keys, not your crypto. Exactly. Exactly. Not your keys, not your crypto. So, you know, anytime someone's leaving their, their coins on an exchange, um, there, there's risk there, what we call counterparty risk, right? Um, 
but if they hold it in their wallet, they have risks as well, right? So it's just up to each person to like out uh, to weigh the risk and reward on that. Or how do you view that? So basically, you know, again, if you're going to use a centralized service, you have to realize that there's risk. So if you're going to use an exchange and you're going to leave your crypto on it, you're basically hoping that, um, you know, they don't get hacked, they don't steal your money, all that kind of stuff. So just know anything you leave on an exchange, you can lose. And I've always told people that from the start that uh, crypto is extremely dangerous, not the fact alone that it's volatile, but then you have people that just outright want to steal your money. And with Binance, it's really hard to say what happened there. Uh, when you have that many employees, that is a lot of people. And um, when you have power, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. And so if you get some some people there that are making, you know, five bucks an hour, 15 bucks an hour, whatever they make there, I don't know. And they see all this money coming through all the time. It's possible they collude and they come up with a, a way to, you know, basically, you know, fatten their wallets. Yeah, you know, maybe the user's expense, maybe the exchange expense. I don't know. I don't know what happened there, but I do know that uh, it is very difficult to hack uh, exchanges. And normally it's, it's normally a blow from within. And that might've been what happened here. I don't know for certain. I haven't looked at the code. I haven't seen the breach, but um, it is very difficult to hack people. And so I, I don't, I mean, if they did, you know, kudos to the hackers the, they did, uh, you know, uh, an amazing job of getting past, you know, all the, uh, the security, but there's, there's, I would say a more likely chance that it probably came from within. So if you're going to leave your, your coins or your tokens on exchanges, just know you're going to be susceptible to stuff like that. And what I always tell people, is that if you're going to trade, if you want to be a trader, that's cool. And you want to leave, you know, tokens or coins on, on these exchanges, you know, just use, you know, be safe, obviously, but, you know, only put on there what you're willing to lose, number one, and number two, what you're going to be trading. If you're storing stuff, if you're chipmunking, if you're, you know, you get a savings plan and you want to hodl this crypto, throw it on a decentralized wallet, man. Don't, uh, don't leave it on exchange. So it's uh, super risky and dangerous volatility alone. But then now you're, like you said, the counterparty risk, it's uh, scary right. stuff. So, um, but storing it on, on your own wallet poses a set of risks and dangers as well, right? Now I have to rely on my own OPSEC, my own security. Yeah, I mean, again, you are the weakest link. So if you have a decentralized wallet, make sure that you've written down the seed to it. Make sure you keep it in a you know secure place where only you know. And if you're gonna share it with somebody, know that they can steal all your money, right? So if you're gonna share your seed with somebody, make sure it's somebody you, you trust with your life and your money, right? And then just keep that safe. If you lose your phone, whatever, you just uh, re-download the wallet, put the seed back on it, and poof, like magic, all your funds come back. But if you lose your seed, you know, uh, then yeah, you lost your money. You are the weakest link to it. So you just have to know that. And then if you really want a, a really cold wallet solution and you don't want to spend money for a treasure or, you know, like a ledger and that kind of stuff, I always recommend just get one of your old phones, you know, download the Monarch wallet, uh, transfer, you know, whatever funds you want to it take out the SIM card, turn off the Wi-Fi. Now you have a completely decentralized, absolutely cold storage wallet that nobody can mess with. The only way somebody would ever have access to your funds would be if somebody actually hacked the blockchain itself. So um, just a little tip in there for people that I've told people for, for years. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've done that myself as well. Um, when you say it's de a decentralized wallet, what does that mean? And, and how does that compare to, I guess, a more con uh, maybe centralized traditional hot wallet or digital wallet? Sure. So, I mean, a decentralized wallet, basically, it means that there's no, there's no power, there's no central party controlling your funds, right? So decentralized takes the power from, you know, from the one or whatever and gives it to the other and the other being you. So you basically um, have access to your funds via a private seed and a private key. And so 
nobody can take your money from you unless they actually hack a blockchain or something like that. You are the weakest link. With a centralized wallet, basically your money is stored on a corporation's, you know, wallet, right? It's stored on a company's, you know, on, on their ledger. If they go, you know, bankrupt or if they steal your money, you know, you hopefully there's legal ramifications and you'll be able to get it back somehow. But with centralized, you're completely at the mercy of, of one person. With decentralized, usually it means that uh, you're in charge and you alone are in charge of it. I mean, we can get fancy and I can explain exactly how it all works, but just for, you know, for, for basics, decentralized means you control it. Centralized means they control it. So Right. So you, you have control of your keys and no, no one can do anything. They can't steal your money. They're doing transfers without those keys and you have control of it. Yep. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, do you have any, uh, I mean, I guess besides what you already said, like taking an old Android phone, uh, clearing it, whatever. I mean, is that like the, probably the best OPSEC, like the easiest one that most people could achieve. That's probably good enough for the majority of people. Yeah, yeah, I like Apple myself. Uh, Androids, you know, it's it's good too. It's cheaper. So, uh, whatever you have laying around, just um, I recommend that you download the Monarch Wallet, add your funds to it. You know, take out the SIM card, turn off the Wi-Fi. It's pretty cheap. One of the things that I really don't like about ledgers and treasures and all those types are all the software updates that you constantly have to do. Not to mention the laundry list of uh, bugs and errors that have been published. You know, with actual security issues of those hardware wallets, and not to mention the cost involved. But it's it's really frustrating when you go to access your funds and let's just, you know, say that the wallet is safe and secure, the hardware wallet, um, you have to do all these updates, you know, you need right. web browsers, you need plugins, you need all this crazy stuff that you always have to do. I used to give away, you know, uh, ledgers on all my videos. I would give them away. And um, then after using them for a while, I was like, eh, <laughs> no more, man. So yeah, just find an old device, rip out the SIM, turn off the Wi-Fi, make sure you got your seed safe. And uh, that is a very, very effective and safe and cheap way to store your crypto. Yeah. Now, um, you are one of the harder working men in, in the space, just for, at least from your travel schedule alone. I know you're at conferences and meetings all the time. So you're kind of at the forefront. You're rubbing shoulders with, the, with everybody, the movers and shakers. Like, uh, what, are you, what are you seeing? Are there any like, trends? What do you, what do you, where do you see us going in the next 12, 24 months? I mean, anything you can report there? Yeah, we, we definitely stay busy. We just uh, got back from conferences um, last night, like two o'clock in the morning. So, um, you know, and I still still building Monarch every day, uh, not to mention all the other stuff that we do. But uh, yeah, the, the sentiment, uh, you know, is that uh, they, they feel, and again, this isn't necessarily financial advice ever, and it's not necessarily my opinion, but they think that uh, we're kind of out of the woods and that, um, you know, this has been a good period of time for us to be building and focusing on the technology versus just speculating on the price. Um, there's a lot of really cool stuff that's coming out that um, people haven't seen yet. It's going to be pretty exciting, um, you know, as far as the technology and, and how far we've come, especially in the short period of time. A lot of people like to say that, you know, crypto's failed. It's been out for, you know, 10 years. It's garbage. Nobody uses it. That's not true, though, because we really didn't get smart contracts, ICOs, all that stuff until Augur. Augur was the first ICO built on Ethereum. And so we've only had this stuff for about three years, really. And so all the stuff that we're seeing right now um, isn't where we're going to be in the next 12 to 24 months. You're going to start seeing some crazy stuff coming out that's uh, really going to help with adoption. And you're going to start seeing, like, I've been talking about Facebook, man, for years. I'm like, dude, if they access their 2.7 billion or 3 billion people that they have and they just drop cryptocurrency, you know, the ability to, to spend crypto to all those users, we're going to have, you know, some crazy adoption overnight. And nor, nobody's really ready for that yet. 
right? Nobody's really ready for that yet. But when that happens, when they flip that switch, look out MasterCard, look out Visa, I know that they're saying that they're working with them, but you never tell them you're coming. You just say, oh yeah, we're, we're partners guys. Yeah. <laughs> but they're coming I, for them. I, I, sometimes, I sometimes find it funny, ironic, whatever you want to call it, that you see Visa, MasterCard or, 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 or JP Morgan working on a crypto solution, but that technology is meant to get rid of them. Yeah. Like how, how can they work on a technology that was designed to put them out of business? Well, they say, they say, uh, you know, blockchain, not Bitcoin, right? So you had like Jamie Dimon saying, you know, Bitcoin's a scam, all this kind of stuff. Whilst I guess, you know, he was buying up as much as he could and having all his traders buy it up uh, while of course they were creating their own JP Morgan coin. But if you look at like HSBC, I think they did $250 billion through their own private blockchain uh, last year alone. You know, you see all these big wigs, all these big institutions, you know, they're all talking about blockchain now. They're all creating their own, you know, internal uh, blockchains, which is basically just, you know, centralized you know, service like, like what they have now, like what they're using now, except using blockchain to do it because it's so much faster, it's cheaper, it's easier. So they've acknowledged that, but you don't see them like really, you know, adopting Bitcoin. You see them adopting their own stuff because now, dude, this is, like I've always said, man, crypto is like the most empowering thing for the people or the most enslaving thing for the people. So it depends on what you use, right? So if you give central banks, if you give governments the ability to create their own cryptocurrency, they have complete control over the population. They can, you know, take money away from them. They can see where their money's spent. They can use social engineering. They can see, you know, hey, you're not a good person. We're just gonna freeze your accounts. All kinds of stuff versus Bitcoin where you go anywhere in the world, and now you can basically use it, you know, peer to peer without the need of a third party. So now you got the empowerment and then you also have the enslavement. So there's so many things going on right now, but uh, yeah, all I can tell you is we haven't seen nothing yet. <laughs> depends on which way it can go. I, you know, I think the, the one thing, and, and I wanted to ask you about uh, Facebook coin and it goes into exactly this next point, which was, uh, and, and just for a real quick history lesson, when the internet first came out, it was open, right? The internet's open source and all these big corporations were like, Oh no, we can't have our databases hooked to this open internet. So they all spent probably collectively billions of dollars to make intranets and they made, spent all this money to make these closed off intranets and then eventually they all got abandoned and now everybody's on the open internet. And that's exactly what we're seeing today with all these uh, JP Morgan building their own little internal blockchains and eventually hopefully they'll go to this open source one. But back to the point you just made, either the most freedom or the most enslaving and you're absolutely right. I mean, imagine if, if, if the Fed had their way and could get rid of cash and put everybody on a blockchain, uh, it would be dangerous. I mean, it would be good for them, bad for people that wanted freedom. But when you look at like uh, Facebook, and, and I know this is pure speculation, but um, like I, I do agree with you that it would probably be the biggest push for adoption. Three billion users globally, and not just, not just users, but almost every business. 80 million. 80 now million have, businesses. <laughs> now you have merchant acceptance, right? Now there's actual real use case. But what do you think, guessing, uh, uh, do you think Facebook would have an open source or a closed source? code base one and two would would facebook be exchangeable or would it only be used within the ecosystem so i i think that's it's difficult to say i think that they're, they're going to try to play to the decentralized crowd and say portions of it are just like if you look at the binance decks it's not really a dex i mean they can call back the transactions and take take your funds from what from what i've been told 
So I'm not sure exactly how they're going to brand it, but I wouldn't imagine that it's going to be fully decentralized and God knows they're not going to show all their code. Uh, they may show portions of it, but they definitely won't show, you know, how the, how the sausage is made. Right. And then um, as far as it being a closed loop, I think they might start off that way. Um, because, you know, then, well, I mean, I guess if it's pegged to currencies, if it's just a basket of fiat, basically, you know, in different countries, just, just what it's going to be able to do for the world alone. I mean, you'll have all the unbanked banked overnight if they allow it to leave the ecosystem. They could shut down Visa and MasterCard in probably a month if they wanted to, because you got 80 million businesses there, you got 3 billion people. If they allow this to be open and free to the world, you'll probably see the biggest you know, shift of wealth that you've ever seen, uh, go to Facebook. They'll be like the biggest thing ever. Yeah. Um, I, I can't, I can't even describe how, how huge they will become if they do make their Facebook coin, um, available outside of their ecosystem. It just, cause everybody would, you know, just accept it and adopt it. And they would just, you already see the only people that really care about, you know, losing their information and their, um, you know, the, the, I guess the privacy issues that we've had with Facebook, you know, there's, there's a small percentage, like 15, 20% of people, maybe you're upset about it. The other 80% just keep posting pictures and videos and you, you and, think and that they the, And the percentage of people that are upset about it aren't even probably doing anything about it. Like I'm kind of upset exactly. about it, but I'm still on the stupid thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's what I mean. So people, you know, if they're, if they're already posting their pictures or videos and then now you got Facebook, they already trust them and they're going to start using them for currency to pay for, you know, goods and services and everybody's going to accept it because everybody's already on the platform. You've never seen this kind of shift in wealth and in, in, in payment transactions and in currency ever. I don't think ever. It's, it's going to be one of the biggest things that we've ever seen. People downplay it. But, and I can't say that day one, they'll be, um, you know, open to the world. They may be a closed loop initially, but they won't always be that way. I guarantee it. I, I think in order to have massive success, they're going to have to be open and exchangeable because that's the whole thing where it's like, and really like the internet now, whatever you want to call it, 20 years old is really now just changing the world in a sense where like, you know, um, it's, we're really feeling the effects of, of the social effects of, of the internet and this decentralization, but the internet, if it, we have all these borders and so our money doesn't cross borders and it's super expensive to transfer money across the borders. You can't send five bucks across the border. It's just, you, it's just not cost effective. And that's where crypto comes in. So you look at like the internet, you have like internet citizens and now we're all on the internet. There's 4 billion people on the internet and that's where like Bitcoin can be this internet money and Facebook could potentially be that internet money. But if it, if you can't leave the inner, uh, the, the ecosystem, I think, I think it's going to lose. So we'll see. No, you're right. I mean, they've already tried that with some of their digital currencies that they've had in there for, for tipping and sending people, you know, digital cash, but it wasn't crypto and it didn't have, you know, a wide adoption at all. Why? It's a closed system. As soon as you open this up to the world, to all the businesses, all the users, I mean, it, it seriously could destroy Visa and MasterCard, American Express, discover all those guys literally like in the first month because nobody be able to keep up. All they have to do is keep the fees low and they control everything and everybody would use it. And it would be silly. Just and, that, and, and that's the big shift. So everything we have today is siloed off and closed off. My target reward points are stuck at Target. My American Airlines miles are stuck on American Airlines. Like not, my Chuck E. Cheese tokens only still work if I go back to Chuck E. Cheese. Everything is closed off, whereas cryptocurrencies allows everything to be open and exchangeable. And, and that's the way I think we want it to be. It should be. That's the way it'll grow. But there's massive incentives for all these people to try to continue to not allow that to happen. Um, so that's the battle, right? 
Yep. No, you're absolutely right. I keep telling people all the time, man, you guys are looking at the wrong, at the wrong thing. They keep talking about which blockchain is better. It's like, we already have good enough blockchains. Now we need layer two, layer three solutions. And you need basically, you know, a hub to plug into that doesn't matter what blockchain you're using, doesn't matter what company you're with, you know, it'll just work everything. You're not going to have to have all these different things. You'll just have one thing that'll basically swap currency to currency. It won't matter if there's 2 million cryptos out there or two cryptos out there. It'll just convert everything for you. Yeah, that's what we're really missing right now is is kind of that conversion tool, and um, then obviously, of course, you know, like a layer three solution, which is the ease of access to those systems. Uh, layer two stuff like Lightning obviously isn't there yet, but we really don't need all that crazy stuff quite yet to start you know putting this to work. We just need a user interface that works, that's easy to use, and we need basically some kind of compatibility component that we don't have yet. Um, so that's one one of the things we're trying to do with Monarch is just make it make it extremely easy for everybody to plug into and have access to everything. You don't have to, you know, belong to just one club. You know, just like restaurants, you know, you got Burger King, you got McDonald's, Taco Bell. It's all food, man. You can pick whatever you want. You know, you can eat whatever you want a different day. You shouldn't, shouldn't limit, uh, you know, what you're able to do. You should be able to get whatever you want and uh, be able to consume it. So I think the same thing will hold true in crypto. Uh, we're just missing a few pieces that I think are on the way. Right. All right. Well, that's good stuff. I appreciate that. Now, uh, just one more question. So, you know, being that you're building in the space, uh, like I said, you're on, you're, you're on the move, you're, you're, you're meeting all the people, you're seeing all the things. Where do you see uh, yourself, your company um, in one, two, three, whatever years? How far are you looking out? Where do you think you'll be? Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that, um, you know, we, we try to drop value every, you know, every week, every two weeks. So, and, um, you know, we're not afraid to pivot, you know, when we kind of go the wrong direction. So right now, you know, what I want to do is in the next year, Snay and myself, we want to create, you know, one platform to where everybody can go and have access to all their favorite services and businesses that we partner with from one place, with one login experience, with one KYC experience, make it stupid simple, like just crazy simple that everybody, you know, will start enjoying it, using it, things like that. Um, obviously, you know, we, we build a lot of our own things as well. So some of the stuff that, you know, like for instance, we've, we've come up with the, we've, you know, patented, it's patent pending, you know, like a reoccurring payment transaction model, right? So we've created a plugin that businesses can use to set up reoccurring methods in crypto and be paid, um, you know, in stable, in stable fiats, right? So that way, if you want us paying crypto for, you know, Netflix or Hulu or, you know, your mortgage, stuff like that, you'll be able to do that in, in, in crypto. We have uh, acquired a broker dealer license, you know, pending, you know, FINRA, SEC approval, all that kind of good stuff. But it allows us to, um, you know, convert uh, crypto to fiat and pay these merchants. So what, you know, I mean, I could break this down granularly, I guess, you know, with our STO launch platforms, all this stuff. But basically where I see us, you know, in, in five years is like the go-to place for anything crypto or financial services. Uh, be one-stop one shop, anything and everything you want access to, you know, you're going to be able to do it from one place. We're going to, we're not worried about uh, competition. You know, our arms are wide open to basically anybody of value. You know, we'll bring them on, we'll plug them in, we'll offer their services to our users and our users will have access to their services from one easy place. So, you know, I, I want to do that like over the course of the next year. Um, I mean, if you look at what we've done in just over the past year or two, we've, I mean, I'll say that we've done 99% more than most of the crypto companies out there and ours is free and you can download it today. Um, so in, in five years, I, th I think it's, it's going to be like uh, just an incredible place for everybody to go. And, uh, and while they retain 
um, ownership of their seed and their keys and their funds. And, and while they, while they're still their own monarch and while they're still, you know, their own Kings and Queens of their financial, you know, empires that they've, that they've created and no one can take from them. Yeah. Nice. All right. Yeah. It's hard to project out in five years. We don't know because we don't have building blocks to build the stuff that will be built in the future. Right. It's this is like all going to look different. 1995 or 1997 trying to, trying to predict that we'd have, um, something called a cloud that had, uh, that our, our cars would be hooked to something called a cloud that would be giving us like voice act, activated navigation using something called social media. Like we didn't have any of those building blocks. Like we wouldn't have known about that. No, but, you're absolutely uh, right. This, yeah. this space is not going to look the same in five to 10 years. Five to 10 years, you wouldn't even recognize the space. Right. You have cars paying cars. You're going to have, it's going to look like Ready Player One in certain instances, right? So um, all I know is I just want to make sure that we're that one spot for everybody to go to basically control their finances and their freedoms and have access to all the coolest stuff. And it's just going to get better and better every single week, every single month, every single year. And, uh, that's, that's what I want us to be for the people. Yeah. Well, you are one uh, busy man, uh, on the move with your finger on the pulse, uh, putting out tons of good content. Uh, for those listening on the podcast, uh, where's a good place to keep up with you? Well, all right. Um, let's see. So we obviously have our YouTube channel. We give away a hundred bucks of Bitcoin cash on every single episode. So that way people can get into crypto on, on our dime. Actually, I guess my dime. <laughs> and so that's uh, Crypto Beatles on YouTube. Uh, see, we're on TV, uh, Biz TV. Um, I'm the face of Trading View sessions on Trading View. So if you want to learn about, um, you know, how to chart and all that kind of stuff, you know, all this stuff is, is free. Just uh, go over there and watch it. I don't, do any kind of uh, paid courses or any of that kind of stuff. So it's always free on my dime, just here to help educate and bring value to the space. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, good stuff. Good chatting with you and uh, look forward to seeing you continue to disrupt. Likewise, my brother, keep it up. Let me know if you need anything. Cool. God bless. All right. Thanks. Bye. Hey, if you like this episode of the Market Disruptors podcast, please help us take this to the top of the podcast charts. Just please do me a favor and rate, review, and subscribe. Taking 15 seconds to just leave a quick review goes a long way in helping us reach more people and disrupt more markets. I really appreciate you listening, and I'll see you next time on the Market Disruptors podcast.